Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 638 with a review of Nocturne. I'm Christopher Schneezy. And I'm Stephen Miller. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, we're going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue over the latest films coming to a streaming platform near you. Um, in this episode, we are finishing off our, our round of the 2020 Welcome to the Blumhouse films. There'll be another batch coming out next year sometime. We'll see when that actually ends up being. Uh, but we've made it, Steve. We've made it through all of these. Um, in in the very first episode, I talked about how my theory is that since it's Welcome to the Blumhouse, these are all going to be related to family dynamics in some way. Yep. And so far, we're three three for three. So uh, the big, big test here is going to be whether or not this one sticks to the formula. Uh, spoilers. I think it does. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it does i mean it's to be truthful i did technically skew my statement originally i was saying it's about like parents and how far they'll go for their children uh, which Mm. up until the last one still still counted um this is the first one that's going to change that from being parent child to maybe sister sister and i'm not talking about the television show (laughs) yeah sister sister or it also i would say kind of replaces parent with teacher teacher yeah uh, yeah, yeah. So there's a few ways you could read it, but definitely, as as a twin myself, you know, I talked about how all these movies are kind of about a very specific experience. Except the lie. I don't know what the fuck the lie is doing here. But all the <laughs> others are about like a specific life experience, and then being like, what if I made this into a psychological horror? Yeah. Um, and as a twin, I know the experience of comparing yourself to someone else all the time. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm a Juliet or a Vivian, but I'm right there with them. <laughs> so, you know. That, that, that speaks true to my life experience. Nice. Uh, well, what do you say we get started so that we can speak to these characters' life experience? <laughs> sure. All right, we're going to take a listen to the trailer for Nocturne, and then we're going to bring you a review. We heard your news. Juilliard, congrats. That's incredible. You're thinking of my sister, B. She's going to Juilliard next year. What makes Vivian the star? Jules, I'll always be there for you. And you, whatever you are. What if I could be more? What if I could be great? All I need is a chance to prove myself. Moira Wilson was one of the finest musicians ever to grace this academy. We have decided to rerun the senior concerto competition in her memory. I stole Moira's theory book. She carved symbols all over the wall and threw herself out a third floor window. She was brilliant. The competition was a big opportunity. I have to beat her. Invocation. Moira's theory book. I've been reading it, studying it. Shirts. It's like it's talking to me. It's taking control. Triumph. You stole my piece. I knew you were jealous. Everybody else does, too. Something's up with you, Jules. I won't be there to pick up the pieces. Music is a blood sport. You really want that spotlight. You wouldn't let anything get in your way. Not even your sister. What if I could be more? What if I could be great? 
All right, so that was the trailer for Nocturne. It is basically about two uh, sisters who are both musically uh, gifted and musically inclined, and they are going to a music academy, basically, and they are competing um, to get a big spot that might get them attention for their musical acumen, and uh, it involves them sort of just battling it out to see who's the best pianist. <laughs> uh and some other weird stuff might happen as well, because this is a Welcome to the Bumhouse film. Um, but Stephen Miller, what did you think of Nocturne? Yeah, I think the alternate title could have been Pianist Envy. Ha, get it? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, I, I feel two kind of contradictory things about this movie. One is, I think in terms of filmmaking quality, this is easily the best of the four of the welcome to the Blumhouse movies that we watched. I like, this feels like a complete vision. Um, it builds dread in a way that I thought was totally effective. Uh, it has tons of aesthetic things that I thought were really cool. Like, you know, the classical music motif, that's just good for creepiness in general. Uh, there's a thing that happens a lot where there's like a pulsing effect on drawings that I think is totally effective. Um, this is a movie with a bunch of, dream or fantasy sequences woven in and it does a really good job of making them feel eerie and off-putting in a way that you can't quite explain um like this is a movie that has at least the the look and feel of a horror movie and it it does well that way like like, like i feel like this looked professional this didn't feel like a part of an anthology this felt like a movie that could have stood alone um it reminded me of like raw was one comparison that <laughs> i i i remembered of like a a girl finding herself and that being horrifying, you know, the way that she chooses to do it. Um, but then on the other hand, I think the personal nature of this story, like the family psychology aspect of this anthology is fairly weak here. Like I didn't really feel like I got to know the inside of these characters. It's more um, one character unraveling and then other people reacting to that unraveling and people behave like they are on a on a monorail where they just like have to go where the plot wants them to go rather than like they are actual people with like a will and a desire that could be thwarted um and you know that's baked into the conceit of the movie i'm not saying it's a plot hole i'm just saying that emotionally it made this be both like the most well-made and also one that i cared about less than some of the others um and yeah, I don't know. Like, I I think there's lots of good stuff to recommend it. Uh, it. It was moderately scary, but not in a way that ruined my night. But this is the only one that I would say had like some genuine creepiness to it that lingered with me at all. Um, I like, you know, Whiplash was my favorite movie in 2015, I guess, when it came out. And so I like this idea of like competitive uh, music being like a thing that can be terrifying, that you can burrow your heart in soul into and wind up ruining things in the process get it heart and soul um because <laughs> it's the song you play on piano <laughs> anyway um, gotcha. <laughs> yeah i don't know i i liked it it just there's there's not a lot to say either like i feel like it was well done and i just don't i don't know if i was just like blumhouse out this was the fourth <laughs> one that i watched and if i was kind of like okay yeah i see you movie um but i just couldn't latch onto it in any kind of personal level so in the end i just felt like it was a it was a good like calling card for the writer director to say like hey i know how to build a particular tone you should hire me to do your project uh but i d otherwise didn't take a whole lot away from it 
Yeah, so the first thing I want to say is I think they botched the ending of this film. <laughs> um, mm. I think we would need to have a spoiler section to kind of talk about that. And even in that spoiler section, I would have to be semi-vague because I want to relate it to two other films, both by the same director. Yeah. Um, now, can I ask you... I'm going to try to ask you in a non-spoilery way. Would you have wanted the movie to be such that much much less happened than you think happened? I don't, I don't know if I'm framing this right. There are different ways that the almost ending of this movie could be interpreted, and one of them had me very intrigued, and then it chose not to go that way. Yeah, so, so basically... The 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 outside of the sisters dueling, um, uh, the 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 real conceit of this film is that the the theoretical lesser sister has come into possession of a book that was owned by a student who, in the opening scene of the film, kills herself, and she uses this book to start like she kind of becomes obsessed with this book, and this book seems to be related to some sort of entity of some sort that is maybe bestowing upon her power um, or skill at maybe the cost of something else. And But enough about Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> <laughs> Boom goes the dynamite. Um, but so they're, they're like, for, so first of all, I think that story is fucking rad. Like I really, really, uh, the, the, the story I just laid out, not Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. <laughs> um but 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 i like i really really was vibing with that like like you talked about the the relationship between the two sisters isn't that strong in the film and i agree it's not but that's like the relationship between this girl and this entity is strong (laughs) and i think that's really really literally powerful and i think that to to what you're teasing at is i think the this is about communicating with an entity and trying to interpret the messages and I think that there is a monologue in this film that lays out, uh, I'll, I'll call it grand statements about musicians' dedication to their craft. And I think that mm-hmm. this film uh, posits that maybe the original owner of this uh, study book did not interpret the messages correctly. <laughs> And I think that this film can had the opportunity to do something incredibly compelling and you know, albeit pretty dark <laughs> and, and, and do something very, very interesting. There's many there's basically many ways that could that could go about um, how it unf- unfurled what it was trying to do with this book and what the book meant. And I think this film uh, cheaps out and doesn't do that because it's it doesn't have the the like it doesn't have the bravery Mm. to do the ending that it is setting up it just says like well let's do the thing that is going to be the most shocking to the people watching this and i think that that and the thing that makes me the most mad is it almost tries to pretend like it was doing that like yeah i know it it tries to have its cake and eat it too yeah yeah And, and i i think the what this film does by the end of it really upset me not because like i was like oh my gosh this film is shocking me it upset me from like you don't have the like you're you're just not brave enough to do what you are like you literally spent three minutes in the voice of characters within the film 
setting up exactly what you want to do and you're not brave enough to actually pull that off and it kind of that just really disappointed me um besides that though like i'm 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 a big fan of uh of story i mean mean, (laughs) we live in a world where people are obsessed with conspiracy theories and like finding meaning and shit that's not real in stories when it happens i dig that shit up like i even enjoyed like the Mm -hmm. omega code which i don't know if you've seen it but it's a bad movie (laughs) but like like anything that's like talking about like revealing text in the bible and finding these messages that like predict the future like all that shit i eat it up because it's an interesting trope and it's an interesting thing to do and i really like the idea of what are the messages in this book how is she slowly revealing them to him? What's on the missing page? Like, like all those things were like a, a re- like I was totally like wrapped up in this story because I thought it was great. And on top of that, I mean, I you know both of us grew up playing um, instruments and stuff like that. So we, we've like I, I've never done anything competitive like this, um, but I've but I've been in like done plenty of concerts and been to like festivals yeah. where you, where like there are stakes to the playing but i'm not trying to get into juilliard or anything like that um but i like i like the statements that are being made about what it takes to be really good at any craft this film happens to be dealing with with uh playing playing instruments um but like i i liked all of i liked all of that and i so like to me i was really really wrapped up in the story and i liked this being the first real like it it, it wasn't like this film was scary, but it was this film existed in a universe where there are things that are scary. And I felt that yeah. watching the film. And I think I think for that, I really, really enjoyed this film. I just think, man, it just fucking ending just took a nosedive. Yeah. Yeah. It really didn't stick the landing. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Yeah. I. I hear you. And, and I think a, like a reason the sense of dread works on me very well is I, much like with Whiplash, I have this like deeply ingrained fear of that moment when you're about to walk on stage to do a performance um, that like any movie that harnesses that into terror or the thrill of possibility or something like it hooks me because I like... I bring so much to the table just from like years of always being petrified the moment I was about to walk on stage with my trumpet or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, and like this movie is definitely meant for that. Uh, she even takes propranolol in the movie, which is something I took for a while also <laughs> to try to like calm my nerves uh, in those kinds of situations. Um, like I, I totally get it. I, I don't know why I don't love this movie more actually, because like it did, it checked all the boxes. Like it did really well. It just didn't, I don't know. It it didn't connect. It it's kind of like how I feel about a lot of classical music. Like it's really pretty. I get it, but for some <laughs> reason, like it doesn't connect with me the way that lesser things do if they have the courage to like be trying to directly say something to me. Yeah, but I'm a twin, so you know, <laughs> I get it. Uh, yeah. I mean, I I I don't know what more to say that isn't spoilery and like like i said if in order to like really say what i want to say that's spoilery i have to spoil two other movies <laughs> to do the comparison um so i don't know that it's fully worth uh, uh actually diving in and doing that Let, let's just do it off mic I, i'm just curious okay sorry sorry for listeners also jamie's gonna kill me because she hates when i bleep stuff out or don't include it in the episode um but uh but yeah i mean any any last things to say about this film um i thought this movie had a really good like the set design of this movie i thought was really good uh because there are a few creepy locations uh there is the 
practice room in the beginning of this movie, like the opening that basically sets up the movie, it is like flooded with light. And I always respect when a movie can make well-lit places be eerie and disturbing because I, I think that's pretty difficult. You know, the dark is obviously the, the thing that gets me scared more often. Um, the, <laughs> the practice rooms that they all work in, like there are scenes where she is just reading the book and, you know, playing piano. And those are just like instantly creepy to me by virtue of how the room is laid out. And they do a really cool thing with like certain colored lights to make it feel especially uncanny. Um, and then there's also a cave in this movie that kind of like comes out of nowhere that like worked on me really well. And this is again, when I'm comparing movies to Palm Springs, I don't know why, but it reminded me of the Palm Springs cave. <laughs> Steven, it, it, it's not the cave that comes out of nowhere. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> The cave just stopped out of nowhere. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, I feel like, again, this movie, compared to the rest of the anthology, which tends to be content to be like, we have characters, they're standing in rooms and houses talking to each other. Like, this really does feel like, yeah, I want to make a movie movie. I want it to feel like it has like a sense of art direction and a visual style to it. Uh, and I respect that. So I, I, I think that's cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, I think that means it's about time for us to get to verdicts for this film. So, Stephen Miller, if you're going to give us a must-see, recommend with a caveat, wait for rental, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? Uh, I'm giving this a rental. Uh, I think, actually, quality-wise, it is at least a recommend with a caveat. I just think if the value of these, like, low-budget, do a bunch of individual writer-directors, let them have their own movie, the value of it for me is to communicate stories that I wouldn't have seen otherwise. And this is the one movie in the collection where I feel like, yeah, I can name a ton of other movies that tell very similar types of stories. And I don't totally know what this is adding to that other than just being, again, a great like calling card for this particular director. Uh, so yeah, it, it didn't connect with me very well, but I think it, it looks great. Like, like I think it's a pretty well done movie. Um, it just didn't, didn't leave me feeling like I understood anything better than I did before. Um, I, I'm going to give it a record of the caveat. Um, for me, it's really like the friggin' caveat is just that the end of this movie just botched something that it set up so perfectly. Um, I, I really think that if it would have done the ending that like, like it clearly wanted to do the ending. Like that's the thing. It's not just. It's not just like a. Oh, I think it would be better if it did this at the end. It's like you laid out all the pieces. It's like in a song where like, you know, a bunch of the lyrics rhyme, and at the end they just change the word just to fuck with you. And they're like, ha ha! I bet you thought I was gonna say ass or something, right? Like it, it felt like that. Where it's like, are are you just you're doing the worst thing because? Were you trying to misdirect me with a fucking good idea and then do a bad idea? Um, anyways, so so yeah, so I like I really really enjoyed this movie and I was I was a hundred percent on board and it it was one of those things where like as it was coming to the end I was like oh it's gonna do it's gonna do this thing this is gonna be fucking great and then it didn't do it and then I felt sad and then I was like man that movie like of all these of all the films in this anthology so far it is the one that disappointed me the most because I thought it was doing so well. Yeah. Um, but still recommend with a caveat because like there, there are some, there are some really fun aspects to what this film is doing that, uh, 
that I still, it's like the ending is, I can almost pretend like that didn't happen. Yep. <laughs> because it did set up everything that I had thought I was doing. Honestly, I forgot about the ending until you started talking in this review about how you didn't like the ending. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so curious if our, if our after mic conversation will reveal that you and I wanted the same ending or if we wanted something different. I, b- based on a few of the things you said, I feel like we wanted the same. We like I, I think we we were arriving in the same place, but maybe maybe the specific th- thing that it chooses to do would be different. Mm. But I, I think I, th- I think I might be I might be a little bit further along the same path, just like of more stuff that I wanted it to do. But I think we we both wanted the same essence yeah. at the ending. But this is riveting podcast material <laughs> that no one's going to hear. Hey, apparently Jamie's gonna hear it. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, she 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 did hear that. She just might not like. I I told her literally that like I finished it like right before like we sat down to eat dinner. So it was like I had the whole un unhidden conversation with her. Yep. Um, <laughs> it is funny though when you ask somebody is like, "Have you seen these two movies?" Because if the answer is no, you're like, "Well, n- nothing to compare to this movie." Then <laughs> it's like I don't want to spoil those other movies. But anyways. Um, Stephen Miller. If people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com. People can find me at christopherinreallife.com or twitter.com slash christopherirl. You can find the podcast over at thespoilerwarning.com where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. Um, if you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoilerwarning, facebook.com slash thespoilerwarning, or instagram.com slash thespoilerwarning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com, or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack Nocturne, so hopefully you are enjoying that and uh yeah that's all we got for this week we'll be back next week with some more reviews of something we'll figure it out (laughs) by the end of this week so uh yeah that's it talk to you later bye bye